Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our dear brother who has shared with us. We thank you for him and his precious wife and their dear children. And we, we just pray that you would, you would just uh, help and bless them and assist them in accordance with their needs. We pray, Lord, for all the families of our church, that you would assist each of us, O oh God. We all face a variety of challenges in different ways, in different categories. And we're grateful to know that we can call upon you. We can look to you as our source of help and strength and direction and blessing. And now, Lord, we pray that you would open up our minds and hearts to your holy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. My friends, there was a man named Hezekiah in the Bible who became king over the people of Judah around 715 B.C. That's right, none of you were born back then, none of you. All right. And um, we read about him in 2 Chronicles chapters 29 to 32, elsewhere as well, but especially you can get a, a full story about him if you read 2 Chronicles chapter 29 right through the 32nd chapter. Now, notice what is said. I want you to notice what is said of this dear man in 2 Chronicles 29, verses 1 and 2. It says, Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became the king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Because King Hezekiah put God first in everything he did, God prospered him and, and used him in a beautiful way to bring about a spiritual revival in Judah. Now, by the way, Hezekiah is also a wonderful example to us of how just because, just because your father or other family members have neglected God, it doesn't mean that you have to. It doesn't mean that you have to follow in their footsteps. Uh, for example, in regards to Hezekiah's father, in 2 Chronicles chapter 28, if you just flip back, 2 Chronicles 28, verse 1 says, He, King Ahaz, that's his father, he, King Ahaz, did not do, did not do what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. So contrast that with 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 2, which says, He, King Hezekiah, did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Amen? Can it be said, can it be said of you and me that he or she did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight? 
King Hezekiah led the people of Judah in a beautiful spiritual revival. Consider with me the beautiful results of revival. That is our theme in this brief message, and here is our first truth. Our first truth is this. Spiritually revived people are totally faithful to the Lord and do what is right in the sight of God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 6, King Hezekiah talks about how their, how their ancestors were. Look at verse 6 to, to see what, what Hezekiah says. In fact, we have it on the big screen. So let's read it in unison together. Our ancestors were unfaithful and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They abandoned the Lord and his dwelling place. They turned their backs on him. In the verses and the chapters that follow, God through Hezekiah says to the people of his day, and he says to you and to me, that he, he basically says, we need to become totally faithful to the Lord and to, to do what is right in his sight. I want to ask you to notice with me some of what King Hezekiah did to, to try to get people to become totally faithful to the Lord. If you flip over to uh, chapter 30, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, beginning at verse 6, here's a little bit about, about what Hezekiah attempted to do in his nation. Remember now, this goes back around 715 B.C. It says, At the king's command, runners were sent throughout Israel and Judah. They carried letters that said, O people of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, so that he will return to the few of us who have survived the conquest of the Assyrian kings. Do not be like your ancestors and relatives who abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and became an object of derision as you yourselves can see. Do not be stubborn. Uh, anyone stubborn here? <laughs> of course not. Of course not. Amen. Do not be stubborn as they were, but submit yourselves to the Lord. Come to his temple, which he has set apart as holy forever. Worship the Lord your God so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. For if you return to the Lord, your relatives and your children will be treated mercifully by their captors, and they will be able to return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful. If you return to him, he will not continue to turn his face from you. So that's what, that's what Hezekiah was preaching and teaching and, and, and putting forth across the nation. Now why? Why was Hezekiah so concerned that the people of his nation become spiritually revived, to, to, to become awakened, to get with it in terms of their devotion to the Lord? Why was he so burdened about this? Well, he was concerned because he knew that it was the right thing to do. Hezekiah knew it was the right thing to do. There are times in your life and mine when we do what we do because it is the right thing to do. Amen? Amen? There's a man here, Jim. 
Jim Bissasar sitting right in front of me here in the first, in the first row. And uh, one of the things I've appreciated about him, a lot of you don't know him because he's a guest today. He has another home church. One of the things that I've appreciated about him is um, he not only operates, he not only operates an excellent, uh, an excellent uh, car shop. What's your official name, Jim? Well, no, James. <laughs> Thanks, James of the Bible. But um, yes, he has a mechanic shop. He has a mechanic shop, uh, Shepherd Automotive. Amen? Amen. And his other dear brother behind him there operates it with him now and is a big help. But what I want to say is the thing I've appreciated about this man is ever since I started taking my car there, he does what is right, not only for this customer, but for other customers as well. You know? If something... That's right, that's right. If something needs to be fixed, if something needs to be fixed, he and his team are honest with you and they tell it to you the way it is. If it doesn't need to be fixed, you don't have to spend money on it, they'll tell you. And they're honest. And, and, and that's the way, whether it's in personal, private life, or whether it's in business, that's the way we need to live. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I, I applaud not only him, but others of you who who, whether it's at home or in business, you live right and you do what is right. That's what Hezekiah was promoting and calling for in the scriptures here. Amen? Now, throughout this past month and during the revival services of, of this past week with Reverend Mark Bain, in different ways, we have pleaded, we have pleaded with you to become totally faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, and to do what is right in the sight of God. And the question is this, have you and I made our decision to do so? To do what is right, to do what is right, to do what honors the Lord, what pleases the Lord. If you have, great, great, if as yet you haven't made your decision, do so. If you haven't yet made your decision to be wholly committed to our Lord Jesus Christ, then this is, this is the time. This is the time. You've had opportunity all week throughout the evening services, but today, this morning, right now, is a great time, a wonderful time to say, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my life, I dedicate myself, and Lord, I am going to be a man or woman who chooses to do what's right because he has transformed us on the inside out. Amen? Amen. All right, what is the second beautiful result of revival? Here is a second truth. Number two, spiritually revived people carry out their duties, carry out their ministries. In verse 11 of 2 Chronicles chapter 29, Hezekiah says, My sons, do not neglect your duties any longer. All right? That's uh, verse 11. My sons, do not neglect your duties any longer. Now specifically, King Hezekiah in this verse was speaking to a group of people called the Levites. 
L-E-V-I-T-E-S. Some of you have read about them, studied them. Some of you uh, maybe haven't. But the work, the work of the Levites was to assist the priests who were descendants of Aaron, A-A-R-O-N. And the Levites, the Levites were supposed to assist the priests as the priests carried out their ministry in the temple in the place of worship. It, it, it occurs to me that in a different sense, all of you here today, hundreds of you here today at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene are also, in a sense, Levites. You are Levites because you have the opportunity to assist priests, or in our tradition, you have the opportunity to assist we who are pastors, pastors such as myself and the other pastors, um, you have the opportunity to assist us in this local place of worship. So in that sense, you are also Levites. In King, King Hezekiah's day, the Levites had gone for many years without serving in the place of worship, the temple. Why? Because the previous king had shut the doors to the temple and wouldn't even allow anyone to go into the temple to worship. It was now a new day, however. God, God was using Hezekiah to bring about revival in the nation. King Hezekiah called the Levites back into service and he said in verse 11, do not neglect your duties any longer. The Levites had neglected their duties because the previous wicked king uh, prevented them from carrying out their responsibilities. Now, obviously, you may not have a wicked king that prevents you from carrying out your duties. Uh, you don't have a wicked king or a wicked queen. All right? Uh, you don't have someone preventing you from carrying out your ministries. But sometimes, sometimes there are other hindrances which prevent even spiritually revived people from either taking on a ministry or faithfully carrying out a ministry, a responsibility. What might some of those hindrances be? Well, you, you could think about them, but here's, here's a brief list of what some of them might be. Things like, like busyness and time pressures, uh, spending too much time on the internet, spending too much time watching television, it could be a lack of discipline, lack of confidence, unwillingness to do something on a weekly basis, on a regular basis. It could be laziness. It could be indifference. And, and so sometimes we have to ask ourselves, what is hindering us? What might be hindering you from taking on a volunteer ministry? What is hindering you from carrying out with excellence a volunteer ministry, perhaps, which you have already taken on. At present, we need some godly adults, godly adults to volunteer as youth leaders, youth leaders on Friday evening for our youth ministry. We need some preteen, preteen leaders to volunteer with our preteen program on Friday nights as well. We need other godly adults to volunteer as leaders with our Wednesday evening, Wednesday evening wonderful children's caravan program. Our caravan director will, will train you, will guide you, will direct you, and, and uh, we will take you through plan to protect 
and we'll, we'll even pay the $20 fee for the required police check and all that kind of stuff. My friends, I believe, I believe that one of the most important ministries anyone could have in a church is to invest in, in children and young people. Amen? And do you know why? Because, because for most children and most youth, um, about the only spiritual teaching, the only Bible teaching most children and most youth will ever receive is what they are taught, what they're taught in a Sunday morning Sunday school class, in children's church, in a weeknight program like Caravan Club on Wednesdays. And so it's really important. It's really important that we invest in the children and the youth of our church family. And so we have to ask ourselves, is there something hindering you, something hindering us from volunteering in our Wednesday evening caravan program or Friday evening youth ministry or with our preteen Friday evening ministry? King Hezekiah said to his people, and he says to you, do not neglect your duties any longer. That's what Hezekiah said. Amen? I've said this to you before on occasion. When I get to heaven, when I get to heaven, um, one of the people I'm looking forward to seeing is my Sunday school teacher that I had at the Kennedy Road Church of the Nazarene who invested in me as a teenager. I'm looking forward to seeing Mr. Walter Burridge, Mr. Walter Burridge, who was such a great blessing and encouragement to me. He, um, he's in heaven now. He's been in heaven for quite a few years. But I'm looking forward to saying, Mr. Burridge, Mr. Burridge, remember all those times you phoned me and said, Nick, I missed you in Sunday school, or I missed you in church. Nick, Nick, I hope you're going to be, you're going to be in church next Sunday. And I hope that when I meet Mr. Burridge, he'll have a big grin on his face. A few of you who knew him know sometimes he would have this big grin on his face. But I rejoice. I rejoice in the privilege of looking forward to heaven and saying, thank you, Mr. Burridge, for teaching me about Jesus. Thank you, Mr. Burridge, for loving me. Thank you for being there for me as a young teenager in Sunday school and in church. My friends, you, you have been or you can be a Walter Burridge to some child or some preteen or some teenager in this church. Amen? Amen. Well, here's a third beautiful result of revival. Here, here it is. Number three. Why don't you read it with me from the big screen? Spiritually revived people are generous with the Lord's work. Amen. This truth comes from chapter 31. Chapter 31, if you just flip to it. Obviously, they're, they're, you know, the chapters are too long for me to go through everything. But in chapter 31, beginning at verse 4, here, here's what it says. In addition, he, Hezekiah, required the people in Jerusalem to bring a portion of their goods to the priests and Levites so they could devote themselves fully to the law of the Lord. And when the people of Israel heard these requirements, they responded generously by bringing the first share of their grain new wine, olive oil, honey, and all the produce of their fields. They brought a large quantity, a tithe of all they produced. 
the people who had moved to Judah from Israel and the people of Judah themselves brought in the tithes of their cattle, sheep, and goats and a tithe of the things that had been dedicated to the Lord their God and they piled them up in great heaps. They began piling them up in light spring and the heaps continued to grow until early autumn, verse 8, when Hezekiah and his officials came and saw these huge piles. They thanked the Lord and his people and his people Israel. I want you to notice verse 5, verse 5 says, they brought a large quantity, uh, uh, they brought a large quantity, a tithe of all that they produced. Verse 6 says, the people of Judah themselves brought in the tithes of their cattle, sheep, goats, and, uh, and others. What is a tithe? A tithe is a tenth of what we have earned. It's a tenth of what we have earned. I want to thank the many of you who regularly give a, a tithe, a tenth of your income to the support of our ministry here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. And in addition, in addition to giving tithes, this past or this upcoming uh, Thanksgiving season as we have done in the past, we want to also, we want to give beyond a tithe. We want to give extra for support of our world missionaries. Amen? Amen. And as we said earlier, our goal this year by the end of April is to give another $60,000 for world missions. Thank you for praying for world missions and for giving. 2 Chronicles 31.5 says the people responded generously and let us respond generously to our Thanksgiving world missions offering as well. Praise God. Here's a fourth beautiful result of revival. The fourth result is this. Read it out loud with me. Spiritually revived people are eager to praise and worship the Lord. Amen? Amen? In uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 28, I want you to notice what it says. Oh my, it, it's just beautiful, beautiful what it says. Here it is. Verse 28, the entire assembly, the whole group of them, the entire assembly worshiped the Lord as the singers sang and the trumpets blew until all the burnt offerings were finished. Then the king and everyone with him bowed down in worship. Isn't that great? They bowed down in worship King Hezekiah and the officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the Psalms written by David and by Asaph the seer. So they offered joyous praise and bowed down in worship. Isn't that great? They offered joyous praise and bowed down in worship. Wow. Marvelous. Amen? Amen? And that's what I invite you to do as we gather week by week here to truly come, come eager to praise and worship the Lord and bow down before Him and uh, other times lift up our hands in worship, other times simply, simply remain in silence and enjoy the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, I'm here to honor you. Lord, I'm here to worship you. 
Lord, I'm here to give you honor and glory. Lord, thou art worthy, thou art worthy to receive all honor, glory, and praise. Thou art worthy, O Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's stand, church family. Let's stand together. Let's stand. Yes. Yes. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for the beautiful results of revival. Lord, we've experienced some of the beautiful results of revival this past week. And as we touch upon a few of the results from 2 Chronicles chapter 29 and 30 and 31, oh God, I pray that all of us, all of us would more and more be spiritually on fire for Jesus, that we would truly know that we have given our hearts, our lives to you and that we are eager to not only say we belong to Jesus, but to live our lives with holiness, in holiness, Lord, to live our lives doing what we know is right, saying what we know is right, honoring and glorifying you. Let it be so, Lord. Let it be so. We honor you. We worship you. We adore you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.